G'day, you're listening to a sermon from Good News Christian Church. My name's Bernard. I'm the preacher and minister at Good News Christian Church. During this coronavirus pandemic, we're actually streaming, live streaming all of our church services. So after you've listened to this sermon, you might like to, on Sunday morning, Australian Eastern Standard Time, 9.30, get across to our YouTube channel and join us for a whole church service. It's never been easier to come to church. Anyway, for now, why not read the Bible readings that are written down in the description, uh, read those and then listen to this sermon and get in touch sometime. I'd love to hear how you go with it. Cheers. Who are the people of God to be in a time of pandemic? Uh, that's been our question that we've been seeking to answer over the last three weeks now. Um, now, initially, when everything fell apart back in March, we, we had little choice in one sense, didn't we? Uh, we simply had to, you know, needs must. Uh, necessity was the mother of invention and, and hopefully as a, a body of believers that was guided by the love of Christ for us and our love for our neighbour. But what did we do? We shut down and uh, we moved things online and we pivoted our ministries to, to make the very best of them that we could and, and deliver the kernel of the gospel in, um, in modes and ways that we had to learn really quickly. And can I just say for all of those, in fact, our whole congregation, well done. Um, uh, you did a spectacular job of uh, re- responding and reacting and, um, and adapting. Uh, I really do applaud your efforts and, uh, and I recognise, we recognise as a leadership team, the, the costs and, um, and the disappointments and sadnesses and, and griefs, but also um, efforts that have um, been made over the past month, uh, months. But the pandemic rages on, doesn't it? Um, our... Uh, our world, uh, we might not be feeling it very much at the present time, um, but our world is crippled right now. Um, Can you think of a time outside of wartime uh, when the entire world has been thinking about the one thing? Um, Who are we to be, brothers and sisters, as the people of God in this time of pandemic as it continues on? What must set us apart? Um, How does the gospel show itself in us as a unique community? How must the gospel show itself amongst us as Good News Christian Church? And perhaps um, very pressingly now, as we begin to rebuild and reorganise and creatively reopen things, how must Christ set the agenda moving forward? Some of the questions that we've been thinking about. Now, in some respects, uh, I think we want to say doing church from home, if we just focus on Sunday morning for a moment, in some respects, doing church from home has been great for us, hasn't it? Um, Well, so I gather. I've been here all the time, but (laughs) so I hear. Uh, Pajama church, couch church, um, church where you can mute the pastor if you want to. I hope I'm not muted at the moment. Uh, Where you can turn the pastor up over the top of the ratty kids um, or whatever's going on in your church with your, your arm around your loved one, or church with a, a pile of, of ironing there that slowly diminishes as the service goes on. Uh, have we made some discoveries about what really matters to us that we will be loath to lay aside as uh, things return to some kind of new normal? Um, friends, may I say, um, I'm very keen, we're very keen as your leaders to hear some of those stories actually, some of those discoveries. We want to know Uh, and not just assume that we know, we want to hear those stories, so flick me an email, give me a call, um, uh, contact one of the other elders, Uh, we want to learn that stuff and learn it well, it will inform how we 
go back, uh, come back together and what the new normal looks like for us. Uh, but also, see, and are there also some things that we may be reluctant to say farewell to as we return to normal, but it's going to be absolutely worth it. And we recognise that it's worth it. And we feel that we must, for the sake of God, um, for our brothers and sisters, for the cause of the gospel uh, in the world, there are some things that have been good for a time, but we know we've got to lay them aside. Have there been things that have been mercifully pleasant and convenient, but it's time to step up again and prefer what is good to what is easy, um, to prefer what's worthwhile to what maybe comes naturally uh, to us? Who are we to be as the people of God in this evolving season of pandemic? Um, now, a couple of weeks ago, initially, we looked at with one another. Who are we to be with one another together as the people of God? Then, last week, before the Lord. Who are we to be as the people of God before our God? And this week, out to the world. The people of God in a time of pandemic out to the world. Let's pray together as we come to 2 Corinthians 5, particularly. That's the passage to keep open in front of you, if you could please. But let's pray first. Our great God in heaven, we are reminded uh, that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Your word tells us that. We are reminded of all of your good gifts to us, even over these months, even in this time of significant distress. God, you've been merciful to us in this season of life. Uh, indeed, if we were told in advance what was coming, I suspect few of us would have imagined that we have what it takes, but your mercy and your grace and the help from the throne of heaven has been new to us each day uh, and you have indeed provided. And so today, oh God, we ask, would you please provide for us again? Uh, some of us, oh God, we're weary, we're exhausted, uh, we can't really approach the prospect of heaving ourselves onto new challenges yet and more change. Father, would you be our comfort? Um, Father, others of us, we're, we're ready, but we're uncertain and we're still feeling our way. Lord God, as a whole church community united in Christ, may we feel our way forward together with the gospel of Jesus as our guide, please. Would you give us grace and patience? Would you give us humble obedience to Jesus, would you give us joyful adoration of him, please, as we consider our future under you and out into the world. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, uh, it's ordinarily my practice, isn't it, to give you the, the headings, the points, the major bits of chunks of my sermon um, up front. Today, I'm not going to give you the sort of three points. Actually, it's four today, so look out for that. Um, but what I will do is I'll let you know where we're headed together. So, uh, it's, it's my contention that as the people of God in the time of pandemic, this is what I'm talking about today, that God would have us carry the love of Christ to a lifeless world such that our dying world might find their lives in Christ with us. Let me say that again. This is sort of the overarching thing that I want to say today from 2 Corinthians 5. God would have us carry the love of Christ to a lifeless world, such that our dying world might find their lives in Christ along with us. Let me begin here with that contention that we live in a lifeless world. So let's begin there, our lifeless 
world. Friends, is it true to say, are we at a unique moment in our social history where we're broadly willing to admit as a society that our world is wasting away, that each of us lives only a small window of time. I think ordinarily we like to think of life in terms of you know, progress and life and triumph and, and earthly glory to some degree, but is there some sense right now broadly across our culture that actually the biblical account is right? There is a sad and, and tragic and persistent um, and painful reality that human death has its claws on each of us, that the clock is ticking on each of our lives. We are wasting away. Uh, now, uh, let's have a look at our Bibles together. It, it's a few verses back up the page, actually. So, if you're at 2 Corinthians 5, just cast your eyes a couple of it. There's one verse that I want to look at there, and then we're into our, um, into our passage. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Could we just pick it up there? Uh, where Paul writes to the Corinthian Christians, therefore, we do not lose heart, though, here it is, Outwardly, we are wasting away. Yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. He's speaking to Christians, you understand. Come down with me to chapter 5, verse 1. For we know that if this earthly tent we live in is destroyed, he's talking about the human body, we have a building from God, uh, which is not so much the, the structure of heaven, whatever that is, it's talking about the, the resurrected body that we will one day. It's a metaphor, do you see? Verse 2, meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. Verse 4, for while we are in this tent, right, this body, this life, flesh and blood, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Friends, the picture here with, with the clothing and the unclothing, with the, the heavenly body and the, this sort of earthly um, threat of, of nakedness, if I can put it, the, put it that way, the idea is that in this life, on this earth, our bodies and our minds do fail us. It's like we gradually, I think this is the idea of the metaphor, we gradually having strips of of clothing torn away from us as our bodies waste away and our minds start to fail. It's like strips of clothing torn from us, exposing us, um, shaming us, I think is part of the point of the metaphor. Our lives on this planet are headed um, not toward life and progress and triumph and glory, as we might like to kid ourselves at times. And friends, in this season of pandemic, are we at a bit of a unique moment where we can see that broadly, actually? We each have one life on this planet and we are wasting away. Now, are you in a place where you're sort of strangely able to concede that point at the present time? Wasting away. Can't you see it for yourself and the loved ones around you? There's a certain tragedy in these verses. Uh, let me put it like this. As Christians in this time of pandemic, are we the ones, in view of God's Word, are we the ones uniquely positioned to speak of our world's lifelessness. Not with resignation, despondency, despair, no, but with deep reflection and hope and nevertheless to be able to speak of our world's dying, our world's wasting away, our world's lifelessness. 
We not only believe we live in a lifeless world, but we also believe that there is yet life to be found. Now, is that our message to the world? So secondly, yes, we live in our lifeless world, but we have our ever-living hope. Secondly, so let's go from verse 1 again of 2 Corinthians 5. We live in a dying world, but are we dying? Is that the picture that Paul has painted here? Um, your body uh, or your spouse's mind or your spouse's body may be falling apart, may be letting you down and that may be tearing you apart in this life. But the truth is that our dying world isn't all that there is. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now, the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what's to come. Let's read a bit further. Verse 6, Therefore, we're always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We're confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord, so we make it our goal to please Him, whether we're at home in the body or away from it, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So friends, which reality do you live by, do I live by? Which reality governs our, what did it say, confidence in our lives, uh, directs our goals, um, shapes who I live for? The reality, just that we are wasting away, this is the only life that you've got, uh, pursue it while you can. Or the reality of Christ's coming glory, his coming judgment, the certainty of my life with him, the certainty of a heavenly dwelling, which reality really directs your steps in our lifeless world? Isn't it easy? Uh, you, you know, who, who are we out to the world, brothers and sisters? I think it is easy for our goals to be set, my decisions to be governed, my uh, sense of grief or happiness, the depths of grief and the heights of happiness to be entirely controlled by a life that is wasting away. For that to be my only uh, context, my only horizon, all that I can see within a world that can, cannot see that higher calling that we have in the gospel. But no, friends, uh, the old fantasy writer George MacDonald from uh, the end of the 1800s, uh, he, he once said, never tell a child you have a soul, teach him you are a soul, you have a body. And we might want, might want to nuance that because in a Christian frame, well, soul and body go together. That's the whole point of what Paul's saying. We, we designed heavenward to have body and soul. To, yes, but if we're just focusing on this earthly, earthly reality, you are not just a body. You're a soul, you have a body. Is that the way we view things? 
perhaps the fear among us is, as we start to tease this out, who are we to be out to the world, you know? If we, uh, yes, we live in a lifeless world, but we have this ever-living hope. Perhaps part of our fear is, well, won't that rob us of, of compassion? Will we be uh, of, of such heavenly mind that we're of no earthly good? Um, if that's the message that we take out to the world in this season of pandemic, does an ever-living hope rob the people of God of a tender-heartedness toward the very world around us that we say is dying? So thirdly then, thirdly, uh, so what have we seen? A, a, a dying, our dying world, our ever-living hope, thirdly now, our love-inspired persuasion that Paul sets before us here. Let me ask you just before we read from verse, uh, we'll pick it up from verse 11. Let me ask you though, have you ever come across someone uh, this is a bit of a morbid thought, actually, but stick with me. Have you ever come across someone who's passion and longing for the resurrection, right, for where they're going? A Christian person who knows where they're going after death uh, and their passion and their longing for the resurrection, it leads them to a disconnection from the present. They, they just want to be there and they even sort of don't want to be here anymore. It's a troubling kind of reality to deal with. Uh, They don't want this, they just want that. Can we please just notice, the way Paul speaks here, when Paul looks at the glories ahead and the dying world all around him, Paul still wants to be here. That's what the Gospel has done to him. There is so much to do. There are lives to be won. There are hearts to be found. There's joy for the living to share with us and with a world that has, in a sense, already died. If only they could see their death in Christ already. The life that Paul longs for doesn't disengage him from a love that is worth living for, right? Let's have a look here. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. Come down to verse 14. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he, it's talking about Jesus, he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. Now, brothers and sisters, uh, we're in church together, we we run so many different ministries together. Uh, Does this rest at the forefront of our priorities as we consider restarting our lives following this period of pandemic? Verse 14, for Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. Or or verse 11, since then we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade others. Now when I uh, view you and see you, look at you uh, across the room or, or think about us, am I thinking Christ loves that person? This is a person for whom Christ died. Uh, Here is a woman or a man whose death was in Christ's death. So who will I be for her or for him in his or her life? Who will I be if this is the reality, if this is the way that I see them in the world? Now, friends, as we think about our spending and our budget 
for the year ahead. That's, um, that's a hot topic for us at the moment. Am I compelled, verse 14, you know, constrained, bound by the love of Christ to put my money behind this initiative or, or that line item? And I don't mean reluctantly, but no, compelled by love. That's the picture Paul has for us. Compelled by love, I want to see people persuaded of the gospel of the risen Lord Jesus Christ and find life for themselves in a world that's leading them to death. And may I just say to our ministry leaders and to our elders and to myself as well, that's what we're looking for from you, isn't it? We want to be led in ministry together that is constrained by Christ's love, that is filled with knowledge of Him and directed toward persuasive gospel ministry to one another in the community around us. That's what we're looking for. Will you lead us in that? Uh, and as a whole, will we follow and share in that, not just with our finances, but with our whole selves, with our gifts, with our abilities, time, energies? Will we find joy and a sense of purpose in that together, um, even as we, uh, what, did, what did we see earlier, even as we do waste away in our bodies and our minds in this life, but as the Spirit of God, the deposit of the life to come, uh, it works in a renewal within us day by day. What a picture. See, the secret, brothers and sisters, fourthly and lastly, the secret that our world cannot see, but which we know and share and stake our lives on, is that God is reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Uh, in fact, he's already done it. And we, as the people of God, in a, a time of wasting away, and pandemic, we are to reveal that secret to anyone who will listen, persuade them in love. So, fourthly and lastly, our reconciling mission. Well, hang on a sec. Is it our, our mission or is it God's mission? Let's think about that as we read together. 2 Corinthians 5. Pick it up from verse 16. Verse 16. So, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Friends, let's uh, move towards a conclusion here. Who are the people of God to be in a time of pandemic? Who are we to be, brothers and sisters? Verse 19 tells us, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. Who are we to be? Aren't we to be people before the Lord and, and with one another, but out to the world who 
We know something about our world. We know something about our God. We know something about ourselves. We know something about our world, not just that our world is wasting away, but that in Christ, God has reconciled the world to himself. We know that. We in the world uniquely know that. We're the ones who know it and have it, have that message. And that's not just, you know, private me, God's reconciled me to him, that's true, but it's the world. It's got a broader scope, do you see? It's not just me, my little church. No, it's the world. It's got a bigger scope, do you see? We know something about our world. We know something about our God. That in his strange wisdom, he would make his appeal through us, little us. And so you see, it's his appeal. It's his mission. That was the answer to our question before. It's his mission, absolutely. His forgiveness, his healing uh, plan and promised life that in his wisdom, he would make that appeal through us. That's who we're to be. And we know something about ourselves, that like Christ, to our dying breath, to our earthly, bodily undoing, until that moment, we follow in the footsteps of Christ as ambassadors of heaven on this earth, out to the world. As we follow his footsteps as a messenger of reconciliation. Will we keep that as our footing, that as our sense of who we are before God and with one another and out to the world? We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Let's pray. Our Father God in heaven, O author of reconciliation, forgiver of sins, resurrector of the lifeless, God of our whole world. May we count the death of Jesus our own. May we count the life of Christ a gift to us that we might now live it before you and to your glory and for our world's good. Father, renew us please, would you, as a church with a refreshed view of Jesus. Joy in his life, uh, that gives us comfort in our groaning and burden. Um, may we learn to see in his death for us the intimate closeness of our God alongside of us in our wasting away world, that our God has come to be with us. And so may we find robust hope in him, our risen saviour, risen from the grave, risen from the wasting away to fullness and life. Stir our hearts, would you please, O oh God, for our world. Lift our eyes to see what you would have this world become through the gospel. Broaden and yet focus at the same time our priorities and our decision and our working together for the cause of Jesus. Father, may we have credibility as a church that says, yes, we're on about the reconciliation of the world to our God. Your work even as it's our message and ministry by your grace. And Father, we pray um, for your church, the world over right now, facing enormous pressure in all sorts of ways, uh, facing a, a sense of or grappling with the dislocation that we, we feel in so many uh, areas of church life, grappling with griefs, but also faced with opportunities to be ambassadors of heaven. May we know who we are in this time of pandemic, with one another and before you and out to the world. And in Jesus' name we ask it, please. Amen. Amen.